if you've been here this summer, you know we've been studying this book, and we can't go line by line because we wouldn't get through it in June and July, but we've been breaking it up into three chapters each week so that we all can follow along at home and read and get the full context of what we're reading. So today, I had the chapters 16, 17, 18, and I've chosen to focus on a story in chapter 16. So that's what we're going to be reading this morning, but I trust that you all are reading at home along, and if you don't, listen, if you don't like reading, that is understandable. Reading is not always uh, fun for everyone. For some people, reading is very difficult. I just want to encourage you, you can also listen to the scriptures. Um, There's a free Bible app, and you can just put put it on. Sometimes that's my favorite time to listen to scriptures. I'll be like, all right, I got to clean up, or I'm making dinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to as much as I can listen to while I'm cooking, and then that's uh, getting the scripture in. So we hope that everyone is reading along or listening along uh, to the book of Acts this month. So let's get going. We're going to jump in here at verse 16, verse 16 of chapter 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. I, I don't have a point here to make. I just wanted to point out, how, how funny is that? I, I just think it's such an interesting note that Luke was like, I'm just going to write down that he was irritated because he, he got annoyed. So I, I don't know what to make of that, but there you go. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us, Romans, to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So if you remember last week, Pastor Peter said that it was Paul and Barnabas that had been traveling together, but they had a disagreement and split ways. And so, they, so Paul selected Silas as his new travel partner. How do we think Silas is feeling right now? Uh, so one of the first things they do together is get beaten and thrown into prison. And let me give you, this is a picture of the Mamertine prison in Rome. I'm not suggesting this is the prison they were in, but you can still see this prison today. Um, there's one of, this is one example of what it would be like. So just stone walls, stone floor. Uh, in the inner, inner cell, there would be very little airflow. You know, maybe just when the door is opening, closing, very little airflow and very little to no light in this uh, area as well. So this is where they are thrown after being beaten and flogged. Uh, this is the area they're put in. So see how they respond to it. About midnight, I, I imagine it would have been hard to sleep. There's no, they couldn't pop an Advil, you know, to help with their, their aching body. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
I just have to imagine how different that response was than what prisoners and even the jailers were used to hearing. So you're beaten up, you're flogged, you're stripped of your clothes, which is humiliating. You're thrown into prison. What sounds do you think would it normally come from this kind of experience? Groaning, cursing, yelling, I'm innocent, you know. And these prisoners are hearing such a different response. They're responding by praying and singing. John Stott says about this passage here, he says, anyone can be happy and pleasant and Anyone can be happy in pleasant circumstances, but real joy comes only from within and is a gift available to Christians at all times. Instead of cursing men, they blessed God. And the people around them are watching this response that they're having. Very peculiar. We're going to keep going. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights because, you know, you wouldn't be able to see anything. It's midnight. So he's calling for light. He couldn't see anyone in there. He could just see. He just knew all the doors had fallen off. So he called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What an act of love that he experienced from Paul and Silas. It was an act of love that they did not choose that moment to escape, but instead risked their lives further by choosing to stay so that that jailer would not lose his life. Because the custom would be that if the jailer lost those prisoners, his life would be forfeit. And so that's why the jailer takes out his sword, because he's like, I'm just going to end it here rather than have to do the trial, be imprisoned, and then executed. And so Paul and Silas, by choosing when they had the opportunity, now here's the thing, I'm going to be really honest. If those, if earthquake came and the doors opened up, I would be like, Jesus, here's my miracle. Like, you did this for me to escape. They stayed behind and they said, wait, we're all here. What an act of love for the jailer. And so the, I imagine that the jailer is left with this question, what would make a prisoner care about the life of their oppressor? And he didn't know why they would have love for him. But they had just seen not too long ago, not too long before, they had just seen Jesus, the people of that time, had seen Jesus hang on a cross and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, and he saw they, we experienced Jesus hanging on a cross, forgiving others. And so that act not, just, not only shook the world, but shook eternity. That example we have in Christ, that he laid down his life for others. This act of Paul and Silas changed this jailer's life. And so they replied to the question, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house. His house would have been on the jail grounds. That's where he would live. 
He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the, uh, with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. What strikes me about this story, I mean, there's many things we could pull out of it, but the thing I want to pull out this morning is that it was the selfless act of love that shook the jailer, not the earthquake. Like, we can look at this and be like, oh, look at the miracle, like the miracle that God, you know, got them, could have gotten them out of prison. It wasn't the earthquake that had the jailer trembling, like, ooh, there must, your God must be the right God. It wasn't that. It was the actions of the Christ followers, of the Jesus followers, the people of the way. That was the miracle. The miracle of the gospel is that the outsider is invited in. Those that should not be welcomed are welcomed in. That is the gospel every single time that we are invited into the story, into life with Christ, with God, no matter what your past is. So I'm going to kind of divert here, and I'm going to put up another verse, and we're going to use this verse uh, to kind of go and review the story again and, and, and see how it works. Because I want to visit the, a verse in Romans, Romans 8.28. We know this verse very well. We say it, we reference it often, um, and, and it's a great verse. But I want to use this verse, and we're going to look at it in the context of what just happened to Paul and Silas, because I want to make sure that we understand fully what this scripture is promising and make sure we're not thinking it's promising something that it's not. And so when I read this verse, let's read, I'm going to read it out loud. For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So when I read that, it's very easy for me. I put myself in the scripture and I say, okay, so we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God. Well, I love God. It's talking about for Christians, for believers, so that's me. So now when I read the verse, I'm just, I'm thinking of it more, that, that I know that all things work together for my good. Okay, that's really how this verse kind of can settle in my mind, that it's going to work out for my good because I'm a Christian. Uh, but the, the second thing I think is this word good. Like, I know what I think is good. I think good is I get, I get the job, I get the raise, I get the man, I get, you know... The, the perfect kids, you know, I have this idea of what I think good means. And so I can read this verse, and I can think that it means that God is going to cause everything that happens to work out good for me personally. And it can get us, it can get me into trouble because I can start to have wrong expectations or missed expectations of what this verse means. So, first of all, just starting with uh, what he says is good and what I think is good is not always the same thing. Because scripture, let's just take one scripture, scripture says that trials are good. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not really my definition of good. I, I don't call a trial good. So I, I want us to note that this good here, it doesn't mean that it feels good, looks good, or replaces the bad that I'm experiencing right now. It's not like a promise for a swap, like someone stole 
$3,000 out of a bank account, God promises he's going to put that $3,000 back in there. That's not what this verse is promising. It's not swapping out the bad so that I don't experience bad. And it's also not just me as an individual. It's talking about for the community of believers, for the kingdom of God. So let's take this verse and let's think about it in the context of Paul and Silas. If you were to ask Paul or Silas if the last 48 hours of their life had been good in, in this story, so they were, they were trying to do ministry and they were being harassed by a spirit, then they got um, beat up, taken by a crowd, an angry mob, then they were beat up by law enforcement unlawfully, and then they were thrown in prison. If we said, hey Paul, was this last 48 hours good for you personally? I don't think the answer would be, yes, it was good if he was thinking with the way that we think with like our Western eyes of like, is it good for me? But did God bring about something good for the kingdom of God? He absolutely did. By the jailer and the prisoners watching Paul and Silas go through this difficulty, watching Paul and Silas's reaction, Pastor Jared talked about this a few weeks ago, how you're reacting to the moment, that caused not just the jailer, not just his family, but even potentially some of the prisoners to be saved. Their response to the hardship, God was able to bring something good for his kingdom out of it, but it didn't feel good for Paul and Silas. And so it can be easy, if I'm being honest, it can be easy for me to feel disappointed sometimes or frustrated if I'm going through a trial, if I'm going through something hard, if I'm going through something that feels like uh, a prison moment, and it's like, God, where are you? Where are you? When are you going to fix this thing for me? Because you promised to fix everything and make it good. That, that's how I can honestly sometimes look at this verse and get frustrated. I'm going to have the band come up. I'm going to have them be up here while I'm finishing my last point. Let's look at this. This is, um, common, this is an excerpt on that verse, Romans 8.28. This verse isn't a promise that God's going to make it up to you personally. Rather, it's a promise that through the inevitable harm and heartache that come with being human, God can train us up in godliness. The focus in this case is better preparing us as people for God's service rather than expecting God to work things out for our personal good. This is kind of tough. I don't mean this to feel like such a downer, okay? Because this verse is a promise to us. This verse does give us hope. We can hold that, that God is going to work it for the good of his kingdom. So you might be feel beaten down right now. Or you might feel like you're in a situation where you're in chains or in prison or things are happening unfair or God's not moving. And in those times, it's okay that we feel disappointed sometimes with what we're going through. We feel angry. That's okay. But in those times, our response is to be one of prayer and singing. That we can give those disappointments to God, we can give those frustrations to him, because we can rest with the hope and the peace and the knowledge that he is going to ultimately work it out for our good, for our ultimate good. So we sing praise and we pray through difficulty, not because he's going to replace it, give me something good that maybe feels good, that I can hold and touch and I agree is good enough. 
he's going to work it out for the ultimate good of the kingdom. So maybe, like we have with Paul and Silas, maybe the good that came out of it is that somebody watching me go through this hardship, the people in my small group, my children, my neighbors, maybe as they watch me go through this situation that I don't like, that I don't think is fair, that I don't think is right, but maybe they will say, wait a minute, what's different about the sellers? They've had some hard things happen this year, but man, every time I talk to them, they're, they're encouraging me, they're, they have faith, they haven't given up. What's different about them? Sometimes that's the good that comes out, the ultimate good that's good for the kingdom of God, that's good for the, the sake of Christianity. Sometimes that's the good that comes out of it, that you have a testimony that, that brought someone else to Christ, that encouraged them. Maybe the good thing that comes out of it is that there was something in my character that was going to take me out of the race, that was going to be a tripping, stumbling block for me. And so God allowed a situation or a hardship to kind of press that character issue out of me. So it doesn't feel good when I'm doing it, going through it. It doesn't feel good. I can even think back to times in my life like, oh, I would never want to go back to that time. But boy, now that I look back at it, I see the good that he was bringing out of it. The good that it did do in me because it made me have to trust him. It made me have to rely on him. It made me realize that he is all I have to cling to in this life. And so let's not get tripped up on that promise of good. Well, this doesn't feel good. Ultimate good, the in the end good that God is going to work out. We don't understand it. We can't even fathom it, how he takes all the situations and he is going to make them work out for the ultimate good of his kingdom. The difficulty is the trusting him. The difficulty is the singing when you're in the jail. Sin and the enemy and just this life will try to crush us. It will. It will try to snuff the image of God out of us, try to make us doubt that the story is good make us doubt that he cares about us. But what the enemy doesn't remember, what he doesn't know, is that though we have struggles, though we make mistakes, though we stumble, though we fall, though we have family dysfunction, though we may lose our job, every time he's going to find us singing through it. Singing. And I don't always pass this test every time. Sometimes it looks more like fretting for me. Sometimes it looks more like being mad for time. But Christians should be found singing, praying, always reorienting back to that. Because we're not singing because we're like, yes, this feels good. We're faking being happy because we're so fake and we're going to just fake it till we make it. No, 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 it's not that. We're singing, we're honoring God, we're praising, we're praying, and we're saying, this thing, God, this thing, this situation that I can't stand, that I hate, that's out of my control, that hurt me, whatever this thing is, I am giving it to you. I'm giving it to you because I can't control it anyway. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe this thing has to be your servant, God. And I believe that this thing has to serve your purpose. I may never know 
how you how this has worked out for good. I may never get to see it, but I'm trusting you, God, because your word does say that you're going to work all things out for the good of those who are called to your purpose. So you will. It might not be something I get to see. I hope it is. I hope I get to see those salvation moments and those miracle moments. And I hope that there's times where I get to see instantly God do the thing. But our choice as believers is to trust, to say, I'm giving this thing to you, God. And so let's, we're going to sing. We're going to end with the song. We're going to practice what we're learning today. So you can stand with me. I'll just, I just want to readily admit, it feels weird. It feels very uncomfortable for me right now to be talking about hardship with Pastor William in the audience. Because we have so much freedom here. And the things that they experience, we have a Wednesday morning intercession call. We do pray for your church, Pastor William. The persecution they experience, <clears throat> it's different. We don't, we don't have that here. And so it even feels funny for him to be in this room where I'm saying, we, but we still do. We go through hard times, different hard. And it can be so easy for our attitudes to turn to more of like a, why me, God? Don't you love me? Don't you care about me? Instead of knowing that the Bible tells us it will be hard. You will have trials. It will be difficult. And so we, when we go through something hard, we lift those things up to God. And that's what lifting your hands in worship is, is you're saying, I'm surrendering. I'm not in control. And I lift my hands to say, you are good. And so let's take the last few minutes. And if you're in a situation where you feel like, man, I feel like I'm kind of Paul and Silas right now. I feel like I've been beat up by a mob. I feel disappointed. I feel like I'm stuck somewhere I can't get out of. Let's lift it up to him right now. And let's practice that we are going to sing and we're going to believe, God, this thing, this situation, it is your servant, God. It has to serve your purpose in the end. So I'm going to trust you through this difficulty. I'm going to trust you through this prison cell and know that you will make this thing serve your purpose. And it will produce something good for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. So as we sing, if you, if you want to take a step of faith, you're welcome to come forward. We have the prayer and healing team that can pray for if you want it. But this is our moment to give these situations to God.